we're going to be uh, in Matthew 24 briefly, but the bulk of the message will be in Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. So the title of tonight's message is, As the Days of Noah Were. As the Days of Noah Were. Um, and like I said, it's topical, but I really think it plays in with Revelation, right? You know, somehow over the past few weeks, these words and this story and these things have kind of been floating around my head and heart and our home as the kids have watched uh, with Sight and Sound, uh, Noah. We got them, Sight and Sound is that theater in Pennsylvania and they do those wonderful productions of Bible stories and they made, they videotaped several of them and made them into these nice uh, video productions that we bought on a streaming service a couple years ago and the kids love watching them. And they were watching the story of Noah. I think we read one of the children's stories about Noah and we started going through Genesis with the kids at night. So Noah's kind of been at the forefront. Um, and we read part of Genesis the other night with the kids and it kind of stuck with me and it really goes along with what we're talking about in Revelation. And I really felt like it needed to be delved in a little bit deeper than I could with the kids the other day. And, and with that being said, we're all adults here. Some of these things I would never necessarily share on a Sunday morning from a pulpit. Uh, not that they couldn't be, uh, but I think that as we get into these things tonight, uh, they really need consideration. Uh, we tend to look at our own lives, hopefully sometimes, and consider where we're at. Ashley and I are considering different things food-wise lately, what we're going to be eating. Uh, just to see if we're allergic to anything or, or those things. So we're considering that, and I really don't want to go through that. Uh, but we should also consider the day and age that we're living in. And I think hopefully tonight, if we take away anything, it's a careful consideration and honest look at the days that we're actually living in right now and what that means for us as believers and really the world in general. And as we've studied through Revelation, hopefully the Lord has revealed things to you. Revealed things not only about himself, hopefully about himself. I mean, that's the primary reason we get together is to know the Lord better. Uh, but also about the scripture, also about the end times, but hopefully about the days that we actually live in now. That as we go through it, you would begin to realize it's not so far off. And perhaps it's even upon us. You know, things to come, the way the world is aligning, we talked about the way the whole global situation, if you've had your ear to the rail, so to speak, and heard about the Great Reset and what the world governments would love to do if we would just uh, but let them, uh, the spiritual darkness that's not only just out in the open in our day and age, but really is touted as light and paraded around as the, the, the standard by which we should aspire to live instead of the way we have been living. Uh, if we look at the news, we look at Roe versus Wade, and uh, we'll talk more about it later. Uh, but you know what's going on there, if you've been paying attention the past few weeks. Uh, but I saw recently, and I share this as something, um, just as sort of a litmus test for the society we're in. But I saw a comment on somebody who made a, uh, a Christian music video. He makes song, you know, like rap songs about God. I'm not really into it, but I pay attention to him because I think he's standing up for the right things. And he made a, a song about Roe vs. Wade being overturned. And some of the comments on it were uh, to him saying, you're going to hell and I'll see you there. Better get your gun ready because this summer cities are going to burn again because Roe vs. Wade is overturned. And they go on and say, I hope your daughters are raped and forced to carry it to term to develop. And they develop complications and die. So 
really the heart of this person is really being revealed there. Uh, and I replied to, uh, not to that person, but to the guy who made the video. Uh, I told them, I said, good and evil is being fully revealed in these last days. There's no longer a middle ground to hide in. Keep standing up for Jesus. Just wanted to encourage him. And I keep getting notifications like after like on that. So I think people are seeing that, that really good and evil is really being polarized. It's really being made evident. And we used to have this soft middle ground, at least in Western society, where we could hide in. We could go across the aisle. We could make compromise. And somehow it was good and, and wonderful to compromise with the other side of the aisle. But now the true intentions of both sides are really being drawn. There's a line in the sand and people are beginning to choose one side or the other and being unabashed about what it really means to be pro-choice and what it really means to be pro-life. Uh, I sent an article to, uh, if you guys remember, Pastor Vinny in New York about this young man who's 22 and been illegally scaling skyscrapers uh, to make a stand for the unborn, uh, to bring a, a attention to Roe versus Wade should be overturned and that life is important. And I said, I can't wait to see what you do to to show this guy up. You know, what are you going to do, man, that's better than climbing a skyscraper? Um, but just kidding, of course. But I'm reminded of what the Lord said in the beginning of our study in Revelation, in chapter 3, 15 and 16. Jesus says to the church in Laodicea, I know your works, that you are neither cold or hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And I was sick to my stomach this morning. We were getting ready to go to church, and I just couldn't go. And Ash and the kids uh, went. And, uh, you know, we've been going to a, a good church, I would say. You know, uh, we know the pastor and some folks there and have had some fellowship and stuff. And I think that it's a decent church. But I, I would say that our struggle is really, I think, trying to find a good church anywhere we go. Um, and not that there's anything wrong with the one we're at, but or even some of the others, but really... Man, how many churches these days and age would fall under that Laodicea category? Maybe their tithe numbers are in. Maybe they've got the building right. Maybe the pastor's a great guy. Maybe they've got all the ministries down. But on Sunday morning, on Wednesday evening, whenever they have teachings, do they teach the tough things? Mia was looking through a children's Bible book, was it yesterday? And she was going through it. She's like, what? They don't even talk about Adam and Eve sinning? And she's going through it. She's like... They skip over the cross. <laughs> she was like so outraged that this children's Bible would. She's like, "What's the point? What's the point of him rising again if he didn't die?" She was literally outraged. And man, I think the Lord would say to us that we need to be like the children and come to him with the heart of a child, like my daughter Mia, and be. Why aren't we talking about the things that are really important? Why do we skip over? I think we skipped over for all those years to try and get that middle ground. But where has it led us? Where has it left us? Uh, as a society, but as a church. I don't know if you guys, if I sent the video to everyone, if you saw it, but it was Pastor Jack Hibbs in California talking about when he went to Sacramento last week and I saw like the two-minute clip, like C-SPAN style, of him talking to the Sacramento, California government and about these uh, laws that they're passing lately. And he talks about uh, the Black Robe Regiment and how England was not first and foremost afraid of our Second Amendment, of our militia. They were afraid of the pastors in the pulpits, and so they began to censor the pulpit. And uh, the Black Robe Regiment were those who would not succumb to that and not give in and have their message uh, watered down by the elite. They were willing to preach the truth, and at 
the right time, encourage the people to stand up and fight for the truth and fight for what is right. Um, and so with that, uh, our days truly grow more wicked. Uh, the internet, I believe, as much as I've made money off the internet and it's been my career for my life, uh, it has ruined the world. It has ruined people. The things that were once dark, remote, fringe, stuff that like I would have to like find under a rock in the woods as a kid, uh, or some things that were never to be seen, uh, are now available to any child with a phone. And there's a reason why our kids don't have a phone and can't go on the internet because I, you know, there's looking up coloring pages, looking up movie posters on eBay, and my life was there. The things that pop up, you're not looking for it, and it's there. And even worse than that, it's it's corrupted people. If you, I think it's all tied. I won't get into it for it because it'll be a, a tangent that we don't need to go down. But we'll see a little bit of it later. Is that all these things that people are claiming to be and confused about and everything today? It's all related to that, I believe, uh, including being offended by everything. But it's corrupting the world, and unfortunately, it's corrupting the church. And whether we stand or fall or have fallen, we need to keep getting up. And instead of defeating us, it should resolve us to put off the ways of the world anymore. To say, you know what? I don't want to mess around with the middle ground anymore. I don't want to have anything to do with that anymore. And I'm not talking about the seedy things on the internet, but just the things that are middle ground of the world. And I want to live like a holy nation of believers unto God. I want to be separate in these last days. To be in the world and not of it, but be holy. Be separated unto God, right? And we'll touch on headlines because I can't, you know, I can't not. Uh, but these are three, uh, two headlines. One is, could a worldwide famine be coming? Uh, I would say yes. I think we all would eventually say yes, there's a worldwide famine. The Bible tells us that. Uh, but if the link I have in the notes, it's, it might be a little bit skewed because they talk, you know, they have links to, you know, those people who sell survival food of which we have some, obviously, uh, you know, there could be things there, but if you just begin to look and pay attention to the thing that's going on within, uh, uh, the food industry with diesel fuel, with fertilizer, with the meat markets, with avian flu, with even Ukraine and the wheat and everything. There's a food crisis already upon us and there's some buffers in place that are beginning to wear out. And by this time next year, I would be hard pressed to think that, uh, you know, food prices aren't worse than they are now. Um, you know, thankfully we're in America, we have a little bit better, but I feel like there's some organized pins being pulled out from under us. Just look up all the fires at food processing plants lately and tell me it's not a little sus. Uh, but this one's a good one too. Uh, this one says, move over Nimrod. Amrazan gets green light for its Tower of Babel headquarters, which is designed to help people connect to nature. If you just look at the mock-up of this, thing, it's like they like opened Genesis and they said, oh, that's a good idea for a building. And they built it. Uh, but we won't go down there. I thought that was just a funny one. Uh, but even then, with the Roe vs. Wade leak, we've all heard that. Um, and I struggle sharing this, but I feel like I need to to set a tone. Uh, but there's another clip of one of these protests. And there's this lady, and bear with me sharing this, but it's, the lady is yelling at all these other ladies. I don't know if lady is the right word for a person who would talk like this. But she says, ladies, if you get pregnant... Run down to the abortion clinic and have that little sucked right out. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. They know exactly what they're doing and they want it 
and they'll do anything to get it and to do it. And with that, Lord, we pray, God, help us in these last days. Help us not to become hard. Help us not to become unrepentant. God, we pray for that lady and others um, who have and who will and who are in that path. God, uh, save them. Get them off of it. Help them. Help this generation. We thank you for the generation like the Spider-Man dude who's climbing the buildings. Uh, Even if it's maybe not the best thing to do, uh, he knows that this is an evil and he's trying to fight it. God, please continue to wake up this generation and, and ultimately wake them up to you and save them, we pray. Thank you, God, for everything that's going on and for the Supreme Court justices that have made this decision. Help them to keep making the right decision, God, whether they know you or not. God, let there be... Uh, some form of righteousness. And I know that, God, maybe this is a way that America is going to fall and be split and fall apart. But, God, would you keep your blessing on those who would keep even just the basic fundamental a godly principle of life and the sanctity of it, especially of the unborn. We love you, God, and trust you. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's start with the Lord, words of our Lord Jesus in Matthew 24, um, verse 46. And it is recording, and I was hoping to go shorter tonight, but I can make no guarantees for that. So you all have freedom freedom of choice of yourself to click off, but <laughs> yeah. Thanks, you're welcome. <laughs> Don't thank me yet. All right, Matthew 24, where were we? Uh, 46, no, 36 through 44. It says, concerning that day and hour, we've read this before several times, I believe. Jesus says, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Two will be in the field, one will be taken, and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taking the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord will come. But know this, that if the owner of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have let his house be broken into. That's what I say. No, I don't want no thief getting in here. But Jesus says, more importantly, therefore you also must be ready. For in an hour when you least expect, the Son of Man is coming. And we won't get too deep into this. What I really want to call out is Jesus talking about the days of Noah. And you know, the father is the only one who knows the right time. As we'll see in Genesis, he's the one who's created the world and he created everyone and he alone can determine when the right time to say enough is enough is, right? He is giving time. The fact that he hasn't come back yet, despite all the things we just talked about, shows that he's gracious and merciful. And we tend to think that we don't know much about the pre, the antediluvian society, pre the flood. Uh, You know, there doesn't seem to be any art. There's no museum of pre-flood artifacts, right? You know, there may be pre-flood stuff in there. We don't know. Um, But I believe they're probably deep in the oil wells and and rotted up under the ocean somewhere. Uh, But instead we do. The Bible declares plainly in Genesis, and Jesus tells us here, what exactly it was like before the flood. Um, he, He describes it as they were eating and drinking. And this word eating, I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but I, I think that there might be a smidgen there of something. It can be even used as animals eating. 
don't know if you ever pictured just an animal just chewing away, a pig going after the, the slop, right? Just animals just eating and going about their business, not paying attention, not knowing uh, the weather, right? They might know a storm is coming, but a deer is out there eating and there's a hunter and the deer can be shot by the hunter and have no idea, no clue that he's being watched and hunting the whole time. They're just going about eating, stuffing their face, worried about filling their belly. They eat, they sleep, they have babies, and they just go about their day until they die. That's what animals do, right? But I get the sense that it's really all about the partying, the gluttony, the revelrous parties. I don't know what college was like in your guys' day and age. I think it was still black and white in the world uh, before color was invented when you guys were in college. Uh, just kidding. Uh, at least you finished college. But work parties, the way people get drunk, what people cherish in our world. If you just look on YouTube, there's this whole category of videos, um, uh, mukbang and other things where people just, they buy like everything on the McDonald's menu and then they cover it in cheese and then they eat it on video. And then there's other videos and they just, it's like a whole thing. There's this one guy who was, used to be really thin and now he's huge because this is how he's made his life. And I know this is like a fringe thing, but the point illustrates that we are just obsessed with eating and drinking and going about our business and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And more than that, if you paid attention to, I'm sure, morning television, there's this fat acceptance movement where no longer can you say it's not healthy to be fat, even though obviously being overweight has health detriment to you. But these people would say, no, this is me. I'm good. I'm healthy. I'm beautiful. They're going to be on covers of magazines and billboards as if it's something to be proud of, of having no self-control. And, you know, I get we have genetic, there's genetic factors and not all of us can do it. But I think most of us, myself included, it's just self-control. We eat too much and it's not something to be espoused as healthy. But is that not truly going about eating and drinking as if nothing matters in our society? Talk, Jesus talks about them marrying and giving in marriage. And not only do I see them as going on with life as normal, like if the flood was coming tomorrow or a week from now and you had to get on the boat, would you really spend the time going about having a wedding ceremony, planning a honeymoon, getting all the centerpieces ready? We just had our 10th anniversary and we were talking about some of these things, right? Like what we did and, you know, kind of go back through all these memories and reminisce and what a whirlwind it was. And I actually played, had this music playlist and I didn't even remember the song that being on that day because it was just a blur and I just saw her coming down the aisle and there was no, you know, just all these things that we put all this time and effort into. If there was a flood the next day, would have it really been the best use of our time? Uh, no. But that's what people are doing. I, I can imagine there are probably people getting married on the day that the flood happened. They're going about and all of a sudden, you know, the bride's dress starts getting wet. The guests start complaining and then it turns into total panic. But they see as if the future will never end, as if things are going to go on tomorrow as they have for every yesterday there's ever been. And there's tomorrow after that and tomorrow after that. You know, they talk about these folks who believe in global warming, uh, like the former uh, President Obama himself, who now buys a multi-million dollar property on, uh, what is it, in Massachusetts? Uh, it's not Cape Cod. Uh, is it Martha's Vineyard? It's right on the waterline. If you take the NOAA flood simulator, right, they show his property being underwater, you know, based on all their models, right? Like, if you really believe that, would he be buying that property? I don't know. But the point is that they're going on as if nothing's ever going to change in the end. But more than that, I think, I'm sure there was a Noah's Day, we see our society willing to pervert that marriage to anything we want it to be. It's not just about gay marriage anymore, guys. It's about marrying a robot. 
Think I'm kidding? Read the news. It's in there. It's about marrying objects, people marrying a car. This lady I've read about, and I should spend less time on the internet because it's really ruining me, but married a ghost. Married a ghost. Like, legit, I know this is tabloid stuff, but I think even the Bat Boy, if you remember from the National Enquirer in the 90s, would say, you guys are all crazy. <laughs> You've lost your minds. I might be the Bat Boy, but this stuff is absolutely insane. And Jesus says it was right up until the day it rained. They kept going and kept going. And Noah built that boat for 120 years. Uh, but these people, if, even if they didn't see Noah, if they, if they didn't hear about him on the grapevine, the Bible tells us that they had their conscience and they had nature, if not God himself, as a witness against them. You know, Romans assures us of that. But more than that, if we remember that these people were only a few generations away from Adam and Eve. People lived longer. It was hundreds of years. But generationally, they were not that far removed from Adam and Eve. And even if you read uh, a little bit earlier than that in Genesis, they proclaimed themselves as great as their ancestor Cain. That Cain was that God avenged Cain because Cain, you know, they, they twist the scripture and they make themselves sound like that. So they in their mind knew all the stories. They knew that what happened. And yet they still decided to reject God. And they did not know until the flood came and Jesus says, took them all away. That what they weren't paying attention to, what they should have been fully aware of, is what wiped them out. And isn't that what they say? Like our blind spot is what's going to get us, right? I was watching Formula One today and there was this, one of these accidents where they came back over in the lane. It's like the other guy came up so fast after this one guy made a mistake and he cut over and clipped him. And he's like, I, who was that? I didn't even see him, right? It was right in his blind spot. He wasn't even paying attention. And that's what wiped them out of the race uh, towards the end. But what does this really say about when the rapture happens to us? You know, I don't think that most are truly going to realize what has happened. They're not going to go, oh yeah, the rapture happened. You know what? The Bible's real. I should come to faith and trust Jesus and reject this Antichrist ruler who's coming on the earth. No, they're not going to do that. Even if they know specifically that's what happened, they're not going to accept it. They're not going to believe it. And if, even if they do believe it, they're not going to choose Jesus. Sure, some will. But I think others are gladly going to accept anything else that just keeps them living as they were living, going on in marriage as they were in marriage. Uh, uh, for good. You know, uh, a little bit of shameless self-promotion as if I'm on the Tonight Show, but you can go back and listen to the, a message called The Rapture, which we talk more about that, uh, but that's on the site. But we're going to finish off this area of Scripture with these words of Jesus, which we read. He says, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord will come. You also must be ready in an hour you least expect. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis 6. And in Genesis 6, we're going to um, read the first eight verses in little chunks together, and then we're going to skip through a couple other verses up to the beginning of chapter 7. Uh, but most of it's going to be in the first eight verses of 6. And when Jesus tells us to look at the days of Noah and as they were, so will the days when his return is, I think it's good for us to actually go back and look at what the days of Noah were actually like. For our homework, read the couple, you know what, just read, start from the beginning. It's only five or six chapters, it won't take that long to get a picture. But even if you just read the chapter before 
and uh, really see the things that have happened uh, up to his day. Uh, it's kind of enlightening. But let's read the first three verses of uh, chapter 6. And it says, When man began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were fair, and took his wives uh, any they chose. The Lord said, My spirit will not always strive with man, for he is flesh. Yet his days will be 120 years. And we'll stop there for now. You know, this transition of the account in Genesis, if we're reading, and we're reading up to this point, and then all of a sudden you come across these few verses, it's kind of a shock. It's kind of like, what is this open door into some weird things, God, that you are giving us here? And I think that's probably the reason why this area of Scripture gets skipped over a lot. It's not really taught that much from what I hear and not that it necessarily needs to be focused on, right? It's not something that we need to build a foundation of on anything or that we need to dwell on for too long. But to skip it over, I think, is as a big disservice uh, to what the Bible is trying to show us here, especially in context of what the Lord would tell us about the last days. But as people begin to multiply, remember, God told them to be fruitful and multiply, right? He told them, have kids. But as it begins to happen, and you figure, I was talking to kids about this area of scripture here tonight, how many kids you're going to have, right? How many kids? You live 900 years old. When J Jacob read the genealogies a couple chapters ago, uh, and it was great. Uh, he did so well, especially for those hard names. But think about how many kids you'd have, how many things you'd learn, how many things you do over all those hundreds of years, and how many kids they'd have, how many grandkids they have. So... There's a lot of people on the earth at this time. It's not just a few hundred people. The earth, people have multiplied and expanded out. And this is when this judgment comes. And, you know, we look at how much our population has exploded over the past few decades from several billion to nearly nine, 10 billion now. And, you know, they give you this whole talk about overpopulation and everything. I, I don't know that I buy that. But the point is, people multiply, which is even the right thing to do, uh, which was God's command. As this happens apart from God, something odd begins to take place. And I always struggle saying odd, right? Because the Bible's not odd. Just because the Bible tells us, it doesn't mean that the Bible's an odd thing, a weird thing. The Bible's just being honest and clear about something that was very odd that began to take place. Uh, and it says these sons of God, and a lot of people will try and say, oh, that these are just humans. But they're not. If they were, if they were humans, they would say that this was the sons of Adam, right? But we know these to be angels because elsewhere in the Bible, when sons of God is given, it talks about angels. And even more so, we see that the children that these sons of God and women have are a little odd. <laughs> they're giants, they're Nephilim, they're strange, they're men of renown, so to speak, from the days of old, uh, that they're not normal. And I don't know that we can expect anything normal to come from the relationship of a fallen angel and a woman. You know, remember that lady marrying the ghost before? I don't think we're very far off from what the Bible is talking about with uh, here with the Nephilim. Uh, and there is this weird um, crossing over of sexuality and spirituality that begins to happen, especially apart from God. So we know that sex, although it's a physical act, the most intimate act, uh, is also a spiritual one. Uh, as I got to tell you, it's very strange having this conversation with my parents on the call, but sincerely, it's an interesting thing that God designed it not only as a physical act, but a spiritual act. And the world loves to try and disconnect the two, but as it tries to disconnect the two, 
weird spirituality begins to creep in with the sexuality and you get perversion there. And I'm not going to get into it for a multitude of reasons, but it's the Bible makes it clear in many places about this spiritual significance and about the things that begin to happen, that all these cultures throughout history, as they've worshipped idols, as they've worshipped demons, weird sexuality has gotten in with it as well. And you can see a lot of places when pastors and when people begin to get off into heresy, there's probably something strangely sexual behind it going on. And not to say that we don't all struggle, we're all human, right? But to then to, to, to not deal with it and not look at it is a different thing. And it's, it's no wonder that in our day and age, Child sacrifice is acceptable and demanded. We've been liberated from the shackles of moral sexuality and what has come in and filled that vacuum. Well, not only child uh, sacrifice, but gay marriage, and now all the other things that are coming in our day and age that are making headlines. There's there's a coincidence here, guys. There's no mistake that these things are related. Uh, and there's a reason why God calls certain things uh, abhorrent and abomination. And these are the things that we now must um, go along with or die, so to speak. And need we forget, we always think of the 60s as being the liberation period, but I think the 90s were the liberation period, normalizing homosexuality, uh, pornography, and everything else. And look what we get from it. But folks in this day and age begin to be okay with, they seek after it, and even sanction here, they're marrying, right? You know, I don't know if the women always had a choice in it based on this language here. Uh, but spiritual and sexual behavior, that was abhorrent. It's now somehow part of society. And it was noted. And it was noted so much that even Noah knew about it, right? Because Noah had to know about it to pass it on to eventually Moses writing it down. It's not like this was some hidden thing that God revealed. This was known about. If I could change the page and not feel so red in the face talking about this stuff with my folks. But I feel the world has gone through this cycle over and over. You know, this is sort of a side note here. Um, you know, in the beginning, they were very open to spiritual things, blatant idolatry uh, of the past, of cultures you'd see in museum, right? Uh, they'd worship them. Um, even in the Roman day and age, all those gods and uh, pantheism and everything. And then as science and even really the Reformation began to happen, we put away those, we put away those idols, right, with the Reformation and the, and the Renaissance. And then as science began to come about, we put away spirituality and everything became physical again. But as we progressed on that, we can't exist in a vacuum with no spirituality. And we're starting to idolize things out in the open again and put things up on pedestals and worship them and all sorts of weird spirituality coming out. And uh, we see that. We see that we've gone from being too smart for all that spiritual stuff to now, you know, embracing it um, in our society. But God says to all of this, my spirit will not always strive with man for he is flesh that he's just, he's dirt. He's going to go after the dirt without me. And he's going after evil spiritual things. And I think it's interesting that God says, my spirit will not always strive with man. Who's God's spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit. We think of the Holy Spirit being a comforter, being of the one who, uh, in John 16, convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And even the Holy Spirit's going, There's, I can't do this anymore. 
there's, <laughs> I'm not going to do this anymore. They're, they're not going to listen. They're not going to turn. It's time for judgment. And when the Holy Spirit, the one who's meant to, I think, be the, you know, if he had, not that God is a hard man, but if he had a softer side, I would think the Holy Spirit would be the softer side in a way, even though it's not really the case. But these people, to the point, they want to marry demons. They resist him. They know about God. They know about the truth. And they continually choose more and more wickedness. Well, the Holy Spirit in our day and age is going to be the one who takes the church from the earth. His influence through the church will be gone during the tribulation, as we've understood. That just like before the flood, the Holy Spirit says, there's, there's nothing left I can do. They've rejected the Son. They've rejected me. They've rejected the Word. The only thing left to bring is the hammer. It's to bring the gavel. And so as the days of Noah were, people knew the truth. They resisted the Holy Spirit century after century, generation after generation. They went after wickedness, which made them go after more wickedness, right up until the day that it rained. And America, our Christian nation, right, is now the one leading the charge on gender reassignment. If that were even possible to reassign your gender, I don't care what you do to your body, it doesn't change who you are. And the guy who invented this term, mind you, I want you to understand, all these terms, all this modern ideology, uh, I'd have to look up his name, but he's one who mutilated a baby who had a botched circumcision to begin with and said, raise this baby as a girl for an experiment. Him and his brother uh, were eventually committed suicide, I believe, when they were teenagers. They were abused sexually for science as children. And now this person's teachings are now being disseminated in public school, in entertainment, Disney, anyone? And I'm trying not to get too riled up here, right? I could go on and get on the soapbox. But at the same time, I think it's high time the church gets riled up about these things. Like Jack Hibbs said, why are there not 7,000 pastors here? Why are there not more pastors here than laymen? Why is the church and its leadership not truly care about these things? What do we give our money to? Are we willing to keep giving our money to? Worse than that, what do we give our children to? And are we willing to keep giving our children to them? There's a reason why our kids are not in public school. And all of this is a big part of it. The biggest reason is we love them. And why would we want someone else to raise them if we have the chance to raise and educate them ourselves? Right? But at the same time, how can... I don't know how you can do it anymore. But God proclaims that there's going to be 120 years. That from this point... And the Holy Spirit says, that's it. God still says, you've got 120 years until the day of the flood uh, comes. And there's a four-part study in this chapter in Genesis, if you're truly interested. Let's go on here. Verse 4 says, The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. That these people, the Nephilim, like I mentioned earlier, were the children of the union of the daughters of men and fallen angels. But interesting, I don't know how this all happens genetically. I don't want to go down that route. Angels are not meant to be given in marriage. But uh, there is some something that happens here. The Bible says it happened, so it happened. Uh, I don't know if it do- happens through possession of a host. I don't know if the, how it actually works. But, you know, Satan is always trying to 
imitate God, right? He's always trying to bring about this union. You know, what was the virgin birth, right? It was God's spirit overshadowing uh, Mary and producing an offspring that was part God, part man, in order to take away the sins of man because only God could do it. And only God could do it in the body of a man, in the, in the likeness of a man, right? And Satan's always trying to copy that. And we're not going to get into it too much here, but just to consider, just to put it on your plate, that the Bible seems to have some distinction between a fallen angel and a demon here, right? Like, these, if these fallen angels are the father and these Nephilim are the fruit, spiritually, are they savable? I don't know that's, you know, the Bible talks about the sins coming from the father and this whole, you know, there's all these things that we won't get into, but Chuck Missler has some good deep dives into this stuff. Uh, but before the flood happened, that these giants roamed the earth, that there were these abominations going around on the earth. And it says that these were the men of renown of old. We talked about Rome before and all their gods. I remember studying Roman and Greek mythology in school, especially in Latin class. But if you look at some of these, a lot of it's the gods were out being promiscuous and promiscuous with daughters of men. And, you know, you got, um, I forget the word, not demigod, but like Hercules, right? Like his dad was Zeus, but his mom was... Uh, an earthly lady, if I remember correctly, right? That there's these echoes of these things that happened before the flood. And I'm not saying Hercules was a real person. What I'm saying is that these legends of old come from some truth somewhere along the line. There's a smidgen in there, some inspiration in somewhere along the line. And it's, it's interesting to think about. Is it needed? No. Is it something you should dwell on the rest of your days? Probably not. But I just want you to be aware that if you look at anything in society and history, I guarantee you can bring it back to the Bible and that the Bible explains it all. But if these were the days of Noah, so what will our days be like? Well, are we not looking for extraterrestrial intelligence? Are people not offering themselves up, again, to bring up that lady who married a ghost, offering themselves up to weird spiritual openings? Joe Rogan and all his friends, as much good as he does bringing truth to things, he's also out there talking about taking crazy drugs and seeing... Uh, otherworldly, other dimensional beings while on drugs and communicating with them, right? This is it, guys. This is it. You know, the ancients did uh, narcotic drugs as part of their worship. If you look at the, the Ephesians, this was a big deal, the temple in Ephesus, that they would go in and they would inhale things or there was something in there and they would open themselves up spiritually, right? Even God in with, uh, uh, who's John? John the Baptist, dad. I always want to say Zacchaeus. Zacharias. And he's in there. Uh, offering up incense to God, right? There's a sweet-smelling aroma to God, and who appears? An angel appears to him, right? That there's a connection here between all these things going on in our world and our legalization of drugs and the spiritual realm. But more than that, if you look at modern in vitro experiments, human-animal experiments, uh, this age of the chimera, the age of even COVID, right? COVID, if you believe that it was created in a bat, fine. If you believe that it was created in a lab, you're probably more accurate. But all this genetic experiment on living beings and trying to create new hybrid things and infecting people and changing our DNA. Uh, but even more than that, concerning than that, people trying to breed human and animal stuff, human experiments that I know are banned on paper. But do you not think that the world is not experimenting with these things? Uh, just do a little bit of looking. And I'm sure you can see, even if it's just a conspiracy theory, which we know isn't too much theory anymore, that the world is playing with these things. The world wants to bring mankind to the next level. Even Elon Musk, with his, all his free speech championing, is inventing a brain chip, a brain interface, which may be great, may bring about many people able to walk again and uh, 
all sorts of healing and stuff. But at the same time, it's like, why are we trying to bring ourselves into this new age of human anything, right? Whether it's a chip or whether it's being getting some horse DNA so we can run faster or whatever it is that they want to do. Why would we want to be involved in all of this? What is the spirit behind it? Is it not the same as the spirit behind of Noah? Even in vitro fertilization. I have, you know, I'm not saying or putting down anyone who's had it, you know, I'm sure we all know somebody who has, but all the babies, all the embryos, all the, the people who are frozen or who die or aren't viable just to get one viable one. Is that experimentation worth it? Is that the route that God would have us go? Our societies again, are not much different than they were in the days of Noah. Maybe we're not living in a mud hut, but your wall really, it's wood and it's rock, right? It's just fancy mud on your wall, this drywall, right? It's not that far off. We're not that far off. We think it was far off and different, and maybe it was in some ways, and maybe they were just more honest about it than we were. Our days are deceptive. I don't know that they were deceived. I think they were willfully rebellious perhaps in that day. But let's go on. Here as we get closer to the end. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was continually only evil. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping things and the birds of the sky. For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace. And the eyes of the, sorry, thanks, thanks, Ash. Uh, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And as I'm going to try and get through this quickly for time, but God says that every intent, every thought of man's heart, of every man's heart, every woman's heart, was continually only evil. And we know that God sees everything, right? Kind of like Santa Claus, you know, you know, he's been naughty and nice, right? But I believe God is not looking to judge them. I believe he's looking to find a reason to not judge them. As he came down with Abram before Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abram was like, God, if there's 50, God said, sure, if there's 50 righteous, if there's 20, if there's 10, God said, sure, if there's 10, I know there's not going to be 10, Abram, to not to. Even then, he took Lot's family out of it, right? But look at the world. Look at even the church today. Even if we look at ourselves how many of our own thoughts would fall to one side or the other? Now, I don't think that any of our thoughts, hopefully, are continually evil all the time. But if we, knowing ourselves to be wicked, and we know the truth, what about that person out there at the, at the protest who I quoted before? I would say her thoughts and intents are wicked all the time. But what do I know? I'm not God. God knows but God says in Luke, it's 645, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. And I think if we just listen to anything said on TV, anything in the news, the blatant lies, the blatant evil, the person who cuts you off on the freeway or in line at the store, the twisted motives and, and rationalization that clearly has no place in common sense or reality, I think that's probably a pretty big... Um, Pretty big evidence that the thoughts and intent of most people's hearts these days are continually evil. You know, they know, they don't care, 
Some believe that even if they say it loud enough, it becomes truth. Speak truth to power. But be honest, are our days any different than Noah's? Have we got caught up with our days? Have we caught up with Noah's days? Like, do we think that Noah's days were so much worse than ours they deserved the flood? I think, if anything, the flood would have happened to us quite a while back. And God's been gracious. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Was it not the same deal with them? Strange sexuality? They wanted to rape the angels that came to Lot's house? And Lot said, no, 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 don't do that. That's bad. Take my daughters. And thankfully that didn't happen and the angels blinded the men. But think of that society that was so willing to go out and do that. Two new people show up in town. Well, watch out. But a key verse, verse 6, it says, The Lord was sorry. The Lord was sorry. And it grieved God. That's why I believe in Revelation. It grieves Him. that It doesn't please Him to bring judgment. In a way it does because He's bringing about righteousness and His Son died and the world's rejected. And so I'm sure that there's some righteous value there. But I think overall His heart for man is not, it's not to judge them. And He grieves them when He has to. But He has to. He dealt with sin at the cross and unrepented sin after that has to be dealt with eventually. If they don't accept the cross, what's left? They're choosing willfully hell. Well, what people are like, what gives God the right? Well, I asked that to kid. I, I said to the kids, who, um, who, sorry, I'm just trying to mute this here. Yeah, there we go. Sorry. Sorry, Don, I just had to mute you. I think there was some static there. But, uh, you know, who made, who, who gives God the right? Well, he's God. Well, who created man? God did. Who created the world? God did. Who knows what's right and wrong? God does. So when God judges the world, who are we to say, no, Lord, it's not time yet. No, Lord, that's not right of you. But evil always convinces us that we know better than God. Is that not the tree or the fruit of uh, <laughs> the knowledge of good and evil? Was it not, I know better than God. See, I'm going to go eat this tree. Now I know good and evil and what has been man doing since the beginning? Trying to prove that he knows better than God who made everything. Remember, even with uh, Job. God says to Job, Hey Job, were you there when I made everything? You tell me what was going on when I made the world. Okay, you weren't there, remember? And Job says, You're right, Lord. I'm sorry. Even all this is right. And despite all this, despite everyone in the whole world being evil continually, can you imagine? I mean, it's hard enough going into places where maybe half their hearts are evil continually. Can you imagine everyone everywhere? No one else is righteous. No one else wants to worship God. You're the only one. And Noah finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. And I remember, you know, that this is in God's sight. That God sees this of Noah. That God knows Noah is not perfect. That uh, Ashley was reading the other night to the kids. And instead of saying uh, Noah was a just man, Ashley said Noah was just a man. And that's true. Noah was just a man, right? Just like the rest of us. But he was a just man. That God saw him as someone who at least knew what righteousness was and wanted something to do with it. And you know, I think that's. Well, I hope that's what God would see about is about us. And he sees Jesus in us. He sees His blood and Jesus's righteousness, and not of our own. And that that's what we want. That's our justness. We just want Jesus. We know we need him because we're sinners. We know we need him because our world has fallen. 
In Deuteronomy, Moses reminds the people, did the Lord not make a covenant with our fathers? No, he made it with us. Those who are here today, all of us who are alive, the Lord talked to you face to face on the mountain from the midst of the fire and the people wanted nothing to do with it, remember? And we'll go on here as we close. I just want to touch on these verses. 11 through 13 says, The earth was corrupt before God and filled with violence. And God looked on the earth and saw that it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way in the earth. So God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. Now I will destroy them with the earth. That the earth was violent because these people made it that way. The earth is bad today because people are making it that way today. Uh, it's ruined, it's spoiled, it's perverted, it's corrupt. And our society is falling apart. Some of it's on purpose, and some of it is just a result of sin. Think about all the abundance that we've had as a nation, right? As an American, I'm speaking to Americans. Think about all the freedom we've had, which has gone away over the past 100 years. Think about the things we can't enjoy like we used to. Maybe you could enjoy sports uh, the past few years, the past few decades. A lot of people have turned away from sports because it's gotten so overly political and ridiculous, the kneelings, all these other things that, yeah, I get standing up for what you believe in, but come on, it's, it's ruined everything. Movies, television, uh, news. If the news was ever something you could trust, you certainly can't trust it anymore. At least before, you could at least think you knew it was trustable uh, just because they didn't have any competition, right? But now that they have competition, they're losing and they don't like it. Children's movies. Ruined. I can barely watch anything with my kids. You know what I watch with them? These movies from the 80s and 90s that I can censor out the few bad words that are in them, but I can't go let them watch the latest Disney movie. I will not get them to Disney Channel. Even before all this stuff came out, I knew Disney was corrupt, awakening things in them for love and against their parents. Conspiracy theory no more. <laughs> it's time we stop supporting them and giving them our money and letting them corrupt someone else's kids who's not as wise as perhaps we might be because of scripture but it's all ruined there's no fixing any of this there's no fixing disney there's no fixing netflix there's no fixing america unless we have a great spiritual reset unless there is a repentance and that only comes from first realizing that we're in a place that we need to repent of i didn't come to faith until i fully realized Everything I'm doing is sin continually and I cannot do it anymore. It is killing me until I died that day in 2003. That that was the day I died. And our society needs to die and start over on the things of God. And if it will not, believe me, it will completely die. Everything we love will go away. Will be taken away either by force or by circumstance or by our own volition. The world was filled with violence because of them, because of the people, because of the Nephilim, but not because of Noah. And people today blame their violent actions on others. I can't practice my sin, so I'm going to get violent about it. Meanwhile, we're like, we, you know, and opposition was never violent to them. But now words are violence. You, you tell me that what I'm doing is wrong is violence. No, it's the truth. It's killing you. You know, Roe versus Wade being overturned doesn't say that abortion is illegal. It just says, rightfully, the states have a right to choose and we're not going to oversee this. You say something that triggers them and their heart is quickly revealed. And so is ours. When something bothers us and we snap out, our heart is revealed, right? 
Our heart is revealed. But their wickedness, I believe, is so heavy upon them, and I believe it because I know it and I knew it for myself 19, 20 years ago, their sin is so snaring them to the grave that they convulse when you refuse to call those chains freedom. They are so enslaved, just like, uh, what is it, Stockholm Syndrome, when you fall in love with your captor, right? They are so possessed by their sin, by their evil, maybe even they are actually possessed in some cases, but they're owned by sin. They are possessed by it. They are owned by the devil, owned by their evil desires so much that they will hate anyone uh, who is not just like them, will not let them be as evil as they want to be, who is not as enslaved as they are. And make no mistake, as much as they want to destroy us, as much as they may destroy our institutions and our society, and they may even come after the church, and many churches were being protested today, pregnancy centers being uh, like, you know, my choice in New York, right? Uh, I don't know if they were attacked, but others were attacked, right? It's coming. The floodgates are open. Roe versus Wade, I think, is another polarizing thing where persecution is going to come like we've never seen before in this country. But sadly, like the Holy Spirit talks about, there's nothing left. Everyone's repented that's going to repent at some point. And sadly, I think most of these people will not repent even when it's too late. And I know we're very over time, so I'm going to skip through the end. But I just want to read these verses, 17 and 18 says, I will bring a flood, God says, of waters on the earth to destroy all flesh. Wherever there is the breath of life under heaven and everything that is on the earth will die, but I will establish my covenant with you to Noah, God says. You must go into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And verse 22, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. And the Lord said to Noah, you and your entire household go into the ark, for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me among this generation. Noah obeyed against all odds, against the entire world. Will we? Will we build that boat when others call us crazy? Will we stand up for righteousness when others won't? And Noah wasn't out fighting other people. I mean, there may come a point when we need to do it and that's a whole other conversation. But will we? Will we be faithful when the whole world turns against us and says it's us who have turned against them. It's us who are the traitors. And Jesus says, Remember, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Therefore you also be ready. The Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us all to be ready. God, help us to take heed to your words. And we thank you that you are gracious and merciful. Um, uh, not visiting the sins of the Father, the children uh, to thousands, to those who love you, God. So help us love you. Help us turn others to you. And may others turn to you. And may they listen to you, Holy Spirit. May they come under your conviction and obey you in these last days before God is too late, before that day when you shut the door and say no more. And we ask it, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So may God bless you and keep you and his face shine upon you and you see the rainbow of his love in your life after the flood. There is a vineyard of the Lord There is a vineyard for our soul With all our troubles left behind the door We drink first light until